This is Express FM. Supported by Portsmouth College. We are passionately Pompey. It is a new era at Fratton Park. There's a new man down there in the dugout. What a goal! Pure, unadulterated Pompey. When you come from Portsmouth and live in Portsmouth, you grow up wanting to play for Portsmouth. If I can lead the boys to success and lead the team out, that would be a real dream come true. Action and reaction. Such a massive club. I'm so, so happy to be a part of this, this journey and hopefully get this club to the next level and where it wants to be. Giving Pompey fans a voice. That's what makes this football club so special is the fans. I'm not a Portsmouth fan, but I'm an adopted one now. I love this football club. This is the Football Hour. Fans' interest in this division peaked a lot long time ago and it's stagnating. We've got to get out of this division and into the championship. Pompey's winning streak comes to an end at Fratton Park as Fleetwood make the Blues pay for a lack of cutting edge in front of goal. And Norris gets a chance to get it, still loose in the sit-yard box, it's got to be put in and it is! And Fleetwood have scored! Finally, after 10 hours, Fleetwood have found the back of the net. It's Porter's one, Fleetwood one. The Cod Army with their first goal in 42 days, as in true Christmas spirit, I suppose, the points are shared at PO4. John Messino's side remained top of the tree, but had their lead to second place cut to five points. We'll get full reaction to Saturday's game, including the thoughts of the gaffer himself. It was a dreadful 20 minutes after uh, we came out in the first half and we, and we got punished. And we'd love to hear from you tonight too, Blues fans. What did you make of Saturday's stalemate? Will there be a response at Bristol Rovers tomorrow? And what Pompey-related presents have you been asking for or have you already unwrapped this Christmas? Reach us this evening through all the usual methods. Text 81400, starting your messages with the word express. Email sport at expressfm.com. Include at expressfm on Twitter or head to facebook.com forward slash Pompey Live. Well, a very Merry Christmas one and all and welcome along to this special edition of the Football Hour. This is the Football Hour on Express FM. Good evening and welcome along to the Football Hour brought to you by Stagecoach Across the South whose app you can download now from the Apple app and Google Play Store. Well, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, wishing you all the best during this festive period. We've got plenty in store for you tonight, so let's waste no more time and get straight into the show with a revisit of the events at Fratton Park on Saturday as the Blues were left frustrated at home by Fleetwood Town. Express FM. Everything we do is passionately pumping. A wonderful goal! Every second of the action is right here. Shoot and scores! 90 minutes of passionately pompy commentary. He scored! This is... You want to believe it! Pompey Live. We are just about ready to get underway. It is one minute past three, Saturday the 23rd of December. And here's Kamara, and now he's breaking forward into the Bolton half of Portsmouth. Wanting to cut back on his left foot, he's got Rafferty outside him. We know Rafferty can cross, give him the chance. Finds Robertson, lovely pass, looking for Kamara. Goodness from Pompey, great from Pompey. And an excellent goal line block from Teal to save a goal and put it behind for a corner. Ragger's got it inside his own half. Forward to Bishop. Bishop turns it round the corner to Rafferty. And Rafferty forward to Kamara. And this is great from Poppy again. Kamara, square Robertson wide. Would have been a brilliant goal. Morel played pack into a bad area. And suddenly Fleetwood are breaking forward. And this is quite a run from Wiradu. And Wiradu from a tight angle. Gets it wrong and it's behind for a goal kick. That's half a chance of Fleetwood. Here's Morel. Goes to Kamara. Right corner of the penalty area. What can Kamara do here? In on his left foot. Kamara! away. Kamara thinks he's given Porter the lead. He was inches away from doing so and Fleetwood will clear it away. It's still nil-nil. Morel now trying to do some defending and uh, there's a two-on-one if Fleetwood play this correctly and Shockersy is pumping his arms and legs to get back and Rafferty puts in a magnificent challenge. It's not just the challenge, it's the timing. Robertson, lovely turn. Great this from Robertson. Robertson to Kamara in the penalty area. What can Kamara do here? Chips in, looking to Bishop. Loose ball in the box and it falls kindly for Fleetwood. How they give it straight to Kamara. His shot blocked. Poppy claiming hand. Referee saying it was hand. And it's a penalty to Portsmouth. Colby Bishop. It'll be virtually the last kick of the first half. And he scores. Sends the goalkeeper the wrong way. 11 for the season for Colby Bishop. Kamara's away from his man, and Pompey are in the area here. Life from Kamara, from the dead ball line to Bishop. And he puts it over the bar, the layoff was bobbling. Yeah. 1-0. 
can come to delivery. And Norris gets a chance to get it. It's still loose in the six-yard box. It's got to be put in, and it is. And Fleetwood have scored. Finally, after 10 hours, Fleetwood have found the back of the net. And Portsmouth sloppiness has come back to count against them. It's Portsmouth one, Fleetwood one. Sparks, another cross, not the best. Loose in the penalty area. Shot to see. Lane blocked. Good defending, you have to say. Bishop puts it on. Sadie in the penalty area. Sadie can help it on. Gavin White. Wide. That's a fantastic chance. And one that White's got to hit the target with. Yeah, at the very least. Oh, we couldn't find him initially, but Bishop's stolen the ball. Bishop looks for White again. Gavin White goes round the goalkeeper and can't put it in the net. Good defending, and Pompey has to settle for a corner. The full-time whistle goes at Fratton Park. Fibu's in frustration as Portsmouth drop two points against struggling Fleetwood in what's been a fairly frustrating encounter and not the pre-Christmas treat everyone was hoping for. 1-1. Every second of the action is right here. Pompey Live on Express FM with Aqua Cars. Well, there we are. The highlights of Pompey's 1-1 draw with Fleetwood Town on Saturday afternoon at Fratton Park. Let's take a look at some of the other results from the weekend just gone then, starting with Thursday night where Derby County defeated Lincoln City by three goals to one at Pride Park. On Friday evening, it finished Cambridge United 2, Exeter City 0 and then on Saturday, Barnsley 2, Stevenage 1, Blackpool 3, tomorrow's opponents, Bristol Rovers 1, Bolton 3, Leighton Orient 2, Carlisle United 0, Cheltenham Town 1, Charlton 1, Burton Albion 1, Northampton 2, Oxford United 1, Reading 2, Wigan Athletic 0, Shrewsbury Town 1, Peterborough United 2 and Wickham Wanderers 1, Port Vale 1. Right, let's take a look at the League 1 standings then. We knew Pompey were going to be top of the tree come Christmas Day. That is where, of course, they are. 22 matches played, 14 victories, 7 draws and the 1 defeat. 38 goals scored, 17 against. Goal difference of plus 21, 49 points on the board. 4 wins and that 1 draw from Saturday in the last five matches. Peterborough United, a second heading into Christmas. They are on 44 points, five behind the Blues. Bolton Wanderers in third, seven points behind Pompey. So that is the gap between Portsmouth in first and Bolton Wanderers in third, um, outside of those automatic promotion places on Christmas Day. Derby County, Oxford United and Stevenage all have 40 points and all occupy the playoff positions. Down at the bottom, Cheltenham Town, despite the victory on Saturday, rock bottom with 16 points, level on points actually, with Carlisle United on 23rd. Fleetwood and Reading remain uh, also in the drop zone. Uh, our Boxing Day opponents, Bristol Rovers, are in 12th position, 28 points on the board. <laughs> seven wins, seven draws, seven defeats, 28 scored. 28 conceded. Goal difference of zero. And they've got the, the well, the most even record uh, in the whole division. Seven wins, seven draws and seven defeats. We're going to talk more about the gas later on in this evening's show. But first and foremost, let's welcome in some guests for tonight. Between now and seven o'clock, we're going to have both Pepe Lacey and Joe Wood on the show. We're going to have a bit of a quiz later on. And Joe's going to join us towards the end of the show to preview tomorrow's game. But first of all, Pepe Lacey, I'm delighted, is joining us on this Christmas Day special of the Footblower. Uh, Pepe, your, your overall thoughts, please, on that game on Saturday. Well, it wasn't the greatest game in the world, was it? You could see right from the very start, Ports probably were, they weren't sort of at the best. You sort of thought when you went into the game that if they can get an early goal and if they can take the lead, they can sort of control the game, really. You always knew Fleetwood would sort of be there to to frustrate Pompey, restrict their chances in a way. And and then and they did that and it took Pompey a penalty in the forty seventh minute to to break him down and they annoyed Pompey, they restricted Pompey in front of goal, kept them to one um one shot on goal all game, which fair play to them. <laughs> they have they conceded sixteen or something in the last six without scoring and they did their job properly and Pompey just they weren't really at it today and John Messino was sort of lost for words at the end of the game, really. He doesn't really know why, um, and I don't think many people can understand why. Why it was such a big difference of Pompey's last home game against Bolton. There was, there was just something missing. It's annoying when you're in the stands and everyone has high hopes that they can put four or five past the struggling Fleetwood side who've lost their last six and going into the game and you're, you're sort of thinking, yeah, if Pompey want to win the title, they need to be seeing teams like Fleetwood who are struggling. Pass they need to, uh, they need to dominate the ball. Sorry. Um, 
they need to dominate the game and that that's something they didn't do and frustrating is a word i've been seeing thrown around over the last couple of days in reaction to that game on Saturday, Pepe, would that perfectly sum it up? Because, you know, there were quite a number of overhit sprayed passes, late through balls, a bit of game management towards the end as well from Fleetwood too. Wasn't the most convincing of refereeing displays in the middle as well. Let's be let's be quite frank about that. But overall, it just was a very frustrating day at Fratton Park for John Massino's side, wasn't it? Yeah, you can say, like I just said, it, it, it sort of frustrated. They frustrated Pompey. They came up with a, Fleetwood came with a game plan. Yeah, Jaden Stockley, former Pompey striker up front as well. He did a very good job dealing with Connor Shocknessy and Sean Raggett. I thought that was a good little battle between the three of them the whole game. Um, and they sat there with one up top and then they, they were very good. They caught Pompey out a number of times, especially in the second half, um, coming forward and did create chances. They, they, they had a number of chances in the first half and quite a few in the second half and they did obviously equalise as well with a defensive. It wasn't really a mistake. It was just sloppy from Portsmouth. So they didn't clear the ball and and, and and Fleetwood did their job. That's, we always see it at Fratton Park that teams come here uh, and they're quite happy to sit there, let, allow Pompey to have the ball. They, they did have the ball. Pompey controlled possession again, but they didn't do anything with it. Like you, like your question said, um, overhit passes. Uh, it was just something missing. Um, and John Messino, like I said, he, uh, he asked the same question. Everyone's wondered why Pompey didn't turn up. It, it, it's frustrating because we know Pompey have the quality just for some reason. They weren't at the races. Wayne Harris on Twitter saying Pompey just not clinical. Plenty of possession as usual, but Bishop's penalty, the only shot on target from 14 uh, for Pompey throughout the entire game. Fleetwood played a very good defence, counter-attacking game, which he admires, uh, looking indecisive in the final third. And it cost us, said Wayne on Twitter, who concludes by saying we need to move on quickly. Josh Sweetman, uh, a regular guest here on the Football Hour, saying simply didn't deserve to win that one. Woeful to a man, but it's how you follow up. And key to remember, of course that Pompey in the last five matches four wins one draw still unbeaten since that defeat to Blackpool by four goals to nil back in November at Fratton Park and top of the table clear by five points heading into Christmas so it's not all doom and gloom Pepe Cassini Yengi though after a few good performances uh, he was an unused sub on Saturday could Pompey perhaps have done with his presence up top or or do you think that him not coming on might have something to do with the fact that there's another game coming up so fast you know i.e. tomorrow it's a difficult one, isn't it, with Kiseni Yengi? He's sort of he's still that raw talent. We spoke about it after the Bolton game, and he's got so much to learn. And he started again on Tuesday. He started at Shrewsbury as well. Obviously, with a fully fit Colby Bishop, other than Shrewsbury, um, he started every game under Messino. So it's difficult when you have got a twelve goal Colby Bishop, fully fit and ready to fire in your squad and in your ranks. It would have been it would have been good to see Yengi. I think maybe not even. For 20 minutes, just like a 10-minute period, Yengi offers something different. We saw that at Bolton. He gets in behind, he causes defender, defenders trouble. And it, it would have been good to see him get a run out and maybe offer Pompey something different. But on the flip side, you've also got Colby Bishop. who If Pompey are looking for a goal, you want Colby Bishop on the pitch. So it's good to have these attacking headaches to have, really. Yes, I think a lot of people would have liked to have seen him come on against Fleetwood, but it's a difficult one, Jake. And Pompey fans would have liked to have seen him, and I think he would have offered something different. But at the same time, you've got to have Colby Bishop on the pitch. So I can understand Messino's thinking, but at the same time, I personally would have liked to have seen Yengi get a run out at the end. Pepe Lacey, thank you very much. Hold tight. We're going to get you back in just a few moments' time for a special festive quiz here on the Footblower. A bit more reaction now, though, uh, from social media. Harvey Mark saying one shot on target home to Fleetwood, and that being a penalty, you don't deserve to win that, do you? And one here from Ian Chiverton, who says, seen these types of games at Fratton many times, some we've lost, we didn't take our chances, bit of a fussy ref, and we ran out of ideas in the last 20. We don't have a divine right to win games, and we didn't do enough on Saturday. Seven points clear set of third at Christmas more than happy with that the thoughts there of Ian Chiverton plenty of others on social media too and of course Pepe Lacey as well let's get some more reaction to Saturday's one all draw home to Fleetwood Town John Bassinio has been catching up with Max Swatton well John how do you sum that one up really disappointing I think that we were okay in the first half probably just about deserved the lead going into half time and then it was a dreadful 20 minutes after uh, we came out in the first half and we, we got punished we obviously conceded the goal and then came alive at 1-1, created enough chances to probably win the game, but at the same time we looked a bit vulnerable on the break as well. And I thought we'd got pretty much what we deserved. I think if we'd lost the game then I don't think I would have had too many grumbles because I just didn't think the level of performance was there. 
What was missing from that second half display? I thought the mentality to go out and deal with the side who had a real clear game plan, game plan had some good players in there, they were sort of sticking to it. I thought our mentality was poor, to be honest, and you know, we got ourselves in the lead and I thought we should have just stepped on the accelerator and, and gone on from then. I thought we were definitely capable of doing it. The comparison, I know the games are completely different, but I think if we play Bolton at home here on a Monday night, I think the lads go out with a different mentality. They make sure that they're on it in everything they do and you know, step on themselves, win the game. And I'm not sure what it was. I just thought it was, it was weak from us today and ultimately we got punished. What do you put that down to ultimately? I'm not sure. It's the first time I've really experienced it from this bunch of players in the first 22 league games of the season. It's very difficult to properly put my finger on it now, but the one thing I don't think it is is anything we should accept. I don't think we should accept that um, that sort of performance with that 20-minute spell in, in the second half, and I don't think we should accept the lack of quality after that as well. We put ourselves in some good positions, and I thought our crossing was poor, I thought our finishing was poor, I thought some of our passing was poor as well. That's not the side that I've been watching over the last 21 games, so not entirely sure what we put it down to. We Obviously, that's our job. It's our job to, to make sure we try and sort of nail down some of those things that have, have cost us there and, and go again on Boxing Day. Slightly edged the, the first half display, as, as you said, got the goal. What did you say to the break? Say out the break to the lads, sorry. I just thought we needed a bit more, really. I thought we'd, we'd controlled the game largely in, in terms of possession. Whenever we broke the line, whenever we got the ball forward to one of our sixes or one of our tens, we looked like a threat. Didn't have enough quality in the final third, but we managed to get the goal. And we would put, put ourselves in a really good position there. We knew that Fleetwood at some point would have to come at us, but we just invited the pressure on. But they didn't. I don't think Fleetwood came out in the, the second half um, all guns blazing. And you know, we, we ultimately invited a lot of pressure on ourselves and, and conceded from uh, the set piece, which if you, if you give away enough set pieces by, I think, defending as non-aggressively as we did, then if something does end up going in and you give yourself a mountain to climb. How difficult was it to gain momentum in that second half as well with the multiple stoppages? Yeah, I mean, that wasn't ideal, but I don't think that was the reason that we didn't end up winning the game. Yeah, some, some interesting things early on. One of the Fleetwood players gets treatment off the pitch. I don't know why the game stops, but that sort of thing does kill the momentum of the game. And um, yeah, it was it never really, uh, I, I suppose it never really properly got going, but we still have plenty of chances and, and plenty of momentum to get going into uh, the back end of the second half. And, and I think we should have taken advantage of some of those opportunities. How can things be turned around now ahead of Tuesday? Well, it's, it's not the end of the world. We've, we've drawn a game. We've won four going into it without conceding. Nothing, nothing is, is as bad as it seems right now. Of course, we, we know we're disappointed, but I mean, you know, we've got to try and keep consistent, stay on it, make sure that we do all the right things, and you know, go again against Bristol Rovers on Monday because it's going to be another tough test, and we've got to be better than that. The post-match thoughts of Jobber Senior thereafter Saturday's Waddle draw with Fleetwood Town at Fratton Park. Pompey fans on social media, get in touch with us tonight. Let us know what you want to be unwrapping underneath your Christmas tree this year that, of course, has something to do with Portsmouth Football Club. It's a question we posed at the start of the show. And, of course, let us know what you've already unwrapped. Well, I appreciate it's quite sort of getting late in the day now, 6 o'clock or just after 6 o'clock here on Christmas Day. So you've probably unwrapped all of your presents. So let us know if you've already received some Blues-related uh, gifts today and this year. Um, we've got Anthony Hess getting in touch, saying it arrived earlier this week with uh, Alex Robertson not getting called up uh, to the Australia squad for the Asia Cup. Uh, Gary and Nolan on Twitter saying a vintage Anfield Here We Come 80 scarf uh, for his room. Searched everywhere for one. You can't find one. And uh, Archie also on Twitter getting involved saying the League One trophy. Archie, if you can find the League One trophy underneath your Christmas tree, keep it safe. Hopefully it will remain here on the South Coast ready for the end of April when we anticipate, hopefully, Pompey will be lifting it. Who knows? Plenty of games to come between now and then, of course. OK, let's spread a bit of Christmas cheer. Really pleased uh, earlier this week to hear that the Portsmouth Philharmonic Orchestra earlier this month raised £800 for Pompey in the community with their Pompey Overture. So big congratulations and a big hand um, to the Portsmouth Philharmonic Orchestra for performing their Pompey Overture, celebrating the 125th anniversary, of course, of Portsmouth Football Club, raising over £800 in aid of Pompey in the community. And it was really nice to see last week Portsmouth Football Club representatives of the playing squad attending Queen Alexandra Hospital up in Cosham, providing gifts to children 
uh, that are spending their Christmas period um, over a night in hospital, um, spreading some Christmas cheer to those really in need of it. So, so a big hand to, to Pompey for providing that. They do it every year. It's really fantastic to see and really does warm your heart at this time of year. And speaking about warming your hearts at this time of year, should we play a Christmas tune? We don't often do that on the Football Hour, of course, play a bit of music, but it's Christmas time, it's Christmas Day, and of course it is a day to celebrate our friends, our family, our loved ones uh, at this special time of year for many. It's the one and only Cammy, Chris Kamara, with I Wish It Could Be Christmas Every Day. The snowman brings the snow Well, he just might like to know He put a great big smile Upon somebody's face If you jump into your bed Quickly cover up your head Don't you lock the door You know the sweet Santa Claus is on his way When the kids start singing and the band begins to play Oh, I wish it could be Christmas every day Let the bells ring out for Christmas When we're skating if the storm clouds paint it dark Then your rosy cheeks gonna light my merry way Now the frosticles appear And they've frozen up my bed So will I by the fire till the sleep simply melts them all away When the kids start singing and the band begins to play Oh, I wish it could be Christmas every day So let the bells ring out for Christmas To hit Chris Kamara. I wish it could be Christmas every day. Fantastic there from Cammy. His Christmas single, of course, from a couple of years ago. What a hit. What a hit from Cammy. Right, after the break, we're going to be hearing more from John Messina. He's recently been catching up with Robbie James, talking all things, not just Pompey, not just football, really, but about his time growing up, getting into football, into the professional game, his background as well. It's a real in-depth conversation, getting to know Pompey's gaffer. It's a snippet of the 26-minute conversation, which can be exclusively heard on the Express FM app. We're going to hear part of it when the Football Hour returns on this Christmas Day edition here on Express FM. This is the Football Hour on Express FM. 
Go by bus. Go greener with Stagecoach. Next stop, a cleaner, greener future. Did you know that if we all ditch the car and switch to a bus just once a month for a year, we'd save the UK 2 million tonnes of CO2? Switch to bus, because by switching, you can make a big difference. Get on board a Stagecoach bus for a cleaner, greener future. For more information, go to switchtobus.com. This is the Football Hour on Express FM. Good evening and welcome back to this Christmas Day edition of Big Football Hour, brought to you by Stagecoach South. Well, I hope you're having a wonderful time with festivities flowing and before the Pompey's hopefully securing another three points in tomorrow's Boxing Day clash with Bristol Rovers, of course. We'll be looking ahead to that game later in the show, but first we're going to take a listen to the first half of Robbie James's recent special festive feature interview with the Blues Gaffer. A Christmas with John Massinho is the title. He's been speaking about his childhood, development into becoming a professional footballer and much, much more. At the start of your footballing journey, if you had to give us a guess, when would the first time be that you kicked a ball? It definitely would have been very, very early on in my childhood. I, I grew up um, as one of four, one of four boys. So uh, four boys in the household. My dad was absolutely football mad, big big Spurs fan. So didn't really have too much of a choice uh, from, from a young age. First of all, supporting Spurs and uh, and loving football, but also playing it as well. And there was always a ball around the house. Drove my mum mad. Just uh, used to break everything. Um, and and if not, we were out in the back garden playing constantly uh, between the between the boys as well. So uh, I, I don't know. I can put uh, an exact point on it, but it's been something that's been big part of our family for a long time. And was it, am I right in saying it's your dad that is Portuguese? Yeah, so that's where the um, the Portuguese heritage comes from. Uh, so yeah, long, long line, uh, obviously on that side of Portuguese, uh, hence the hence the name. Unfortunately, uh, I don't uh, speak it anymore and we, we don't have any relatives over the, um, over there anymore either. So um, yeah, we've, uh, one of those things that we still, yeah, we, we still don't mind having, um, having that little bit of uh, lineage in the, in the family background. And when did you realise you were good? <laughs> I think I was always I was always all right as a as a young kid. I think anybody that ever makes it as a pro, probably when they're like under eleven, under twelve, they're always one that is scoring one hundred and thirty odd goals a season. Uh, and then and, and and then you know from from sort of my uh, my teenage years onwards, uh, I wasn't a bad player, but uh, I was never in an academy. Uh, I didn't uh, play for anybody in particular. I was a pretty good um, school and Sunday league player. Uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd finished school. I'd, uh, I was never picked up by by anyone. And at the age of 18, went off to, to university over in the States. Um, I didn't actually turn pro until I was 19. So from 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 the sort of those younger age groups, I was I was all right. I was a, a pretty good footballer. I wasn't terrible, but um, I was never um, good enough at those levels for anyone to be picking me out for um, even a, a football league career at that point. And you mentioned you had the, you know, your, your Portuguese dad. Were they, were your parents she parents you know were they behind you playing football or were they or were they quite often having to sort of rein you in get you doing your homework stuff like that uh, it was both so there was uh yeah they um they very much encouraged me to to play sport it wasn't just football I used to love all sorts of sports and I, I thought that uh, that was a really big part of me uh, growing up and, and and developing athletically as well I thought doing a, a multitude of different sports really really helped me uh, I, I I don't know if this is true or not but I, I do put a lot of um uh, a lot of my ability in terms of um, athletic, well, being being a half decent athlete, down to a lot of swimming as a youngster. Um, played football, cricket, tennis. Um, didn't play a huge amount of rugby, a, a little bit, but um, anything I could pretty much get my hands on in terms of um, competition was was right up there for me. So um, that was a big, big part of my childhood. But academically as well, there was there was a big um, focus from uh, from the family as well, just to make sure that. Uh, you know that was a that was a part of it. It was it, I, I honestly never looked at it when I was a, uh, younger and thought that um, football would be something I could make a career in. I really loved playing it, really enjoyed it, but um, you know, certainly thought, especially when I went to university, that um, I was going to finish my degree and, and go and uh, get a job. I suppose in the real world. And do you think that helped the sense in the sense that we have a lot of people come through the ranks and they're the next big thing when they're 12, 13? But for you, you didn't turn pro until you were 19. Do you think it helped not actually having that pressure on you as a through your teen years? I think so. I, I never, yeah, and I never felt any pressure whatsoever. So I never felt any pressure to play, uh, to play sports and I never felt any pressure to be particularly good at them. Any pressure that I um, had to be good at sports is what I put on myself. And obviously I still do that now. I did that throughout my career. And I think that's one of the things that really helped me. And I think not going through an academy system has its pros and cons. I think from the, from the cons point of view, the, the technical development side of it and, and not playing day in, day out and, and having access to 
the country's best coaches is something that you don't get back. But also, uh, I probably think, and this is a bit of a blanket statement, but you do probably get a bit of a, a, a more rounded upbringing and, and childhood and, and development. And uh, yeah, there's there's no pressure on you just to make it as a pro. You, you get your education. There's there's plenty more options out there. And if um, you know, I, I know it's having been involved with the PFA, I know how difficult it is for someone at the age of 16 or 18 to have spent their entire life thinking they're going to make it as a professional footballer and then to be spat out the system. And I, I never had that. I was I was com- completely the other way. I never thought I was going to make it as a professional footballer. And when I did, it was a real bonus. And I think that went a long way to help me in my career. And the States at 19, was it? Uh, States at 18. So I finished, I finished school over here. Um, I did my A-levels and then went over to... America, so I went over to Notre Dame for a year. Why? And how did that come about? I'd, our family had actually spent um, a couple of years out in the States. So when I was 12, we, as a family, went out and, and we moved over to near DC in Northern Virginia. Uh, that was part of my, my dad's work. And we decided as a family, we we're going to go out there and, and experience something new, which was amazing. Absolutely loved it when I was out there. Um, and when I first went out there, and I mean, even now, like soccer, as they call it, was the fifth biggest sport, wasn't a huge thing. Um, it was a big participation sport, but it's it's nowhere near as big as the other um, the other big four sports that absolutely dominate the the landscape there. So that might have been part of it in terms of where I thought I was and, and what I liked what I liked doing and, and played a few different sports as well out in the states. Uh, so yeah, we we went out there and I think um, having gone through their education system up until the age of sixteen, I moved back to England when I was sixteen. We realised that it's very different in terms of how they approach it there. So once their best athletes for the most part so 99% of the time their best athletes finish high school when they go to university or they go to college out there and they continue their development through the university program which is elite or as elite as you can be without being fully professional um, and it's just not the case here when you're 17 18 you turn pro and that's it but in America you you do it very very differently and we thought that was a real really nice option so what I could do at the age of 18 if I went back over there uh I actually had the chance to finish off my education whilst playing sports at probably the highest level I thought I could. Um, university over here, the, the, the level isn't bad, but probably apart from Bath and Loughborough, you don't really get the exposure to um, sort of top-class facilities, top-class coaching on, and all of that. So a very, very long-winded way of saying I thought it was a good chance to uh, keep up with my education, but also play football as well. It, it's a lot of change, though. Like, that's a lot of moving. You know, you mentioned moving back and forth from the States to here. Was How was that at a time of your life where, you know, there's enough to contend with through your teen years anyway. Yeah, I, it was. I, I remember when when we first spoke about going out to the states. Um, my first thought was our Sunday league side at the time, Chiltern Athletic. Uh, we'd been promoted from the second to first division. I thought I don't want to go because I want to play um, in the first division, which just seems like it's quite comical at the moment. <laughs> I am a really uh, just a normal Sunday league side. Uh, but apart from that, it was um, you know it was it was really exciting and. At the minute you step foot in a different country like the States, I absolutely just fell in love with it. It was the beginning of, I was, this is, um, you know, I'm not that old, but it was just at the start of the internet as well. So keeping in touch with my friends was was fine. We could actually email. Um, and no, no other sort of forms of uh, communication apart from um, pigeon carrier, obviously. But yeah, that, so that was all right. I thought we adjusted well. I kept in touch with loads of my, my friends at that time. We were still really, I'm really close with now. Uh, so the adjustment was fine. A lot of it I put down to the fact that I really loved where, where we were, loved my school. Um, the culture over there I thought was amazing. I thought it was brilliant. And uh, it was something I would recommend if anyone has got the chance to go and do it. Um, they should go and do it. So at that age, it didn't really affect me. I thought it really helped me. It really helped me to go and actually experience something else. And to be able to go and do that, I felt really privileged. I felt really lucky. Um, and then by the time I had the option to go out and do do it again, I knew that it was something I'd absolutely love to do. And does that surprise you now that more people don't do that? We see that often for a lot of other sports, but I suppose football, people with talent in this country are picked up by clubs. Are you surprised people, more people don't do it? I think it's becoming a bit more popular, but the I understand the reason as to why people don't do it because the best 18 year olds in this country are being picked up by pro clubs so the best players stay in stay in this country because you know we can you can argue the toss over a couple of other um top leagues in the world whether the premier league is the best league in the world or not but i i find it very very difficult to find another country in the world that has the football pyramid that we have uh, and in fact i i know for a fact that no one has it so i know for the fact that if you you know you take a fifth tier a fifth tier game here if you take the National League final and I don't know how many people went to Wembley um, for the Chesterfield Notts County game but um, I bet it was significantly higher than any fifth tier clash that you're going to get in any other country in the world so uh, I think uh, that's that's one reason why 
the best talent stays in this country in this sport. It is different in other sports. If you look at um, golf, swimming, athletics, scholarships, it's very, very common for um, Europeans to go over to the States to continue their development there, for example. So I, th I think it will become a bit more popular, especially for those players on the fringes. If you, if you can't get a pro contract, but you think you can still go and get an education, give yourself a couple more years to try and uh, prove yourself as an athlete. I think it's a real option, but uh, at the moment, players coming out of academies tend to sign for the pro teams here. And when you came back from the States, signed with Brentford, um, you, you went out on a lot of loan deals during that time. Was that kind of made easier by the fact you'd you'd already experienced quite a lot of different environments by that stage of your life? I, I think so. And I had a really, it was a really strange, uh, I suppose, lucky introduction to professional football over here. I, I came back for the summer. I was going to go back to university in the States and finish my degree and just through sheer luck, um, George Allen, who's Martin Allen's son, um, he was going to my old school. And uh, because Martin Allen was in charge of Brentford at the time, um, they got in touch with George and said, would Brentford bring a side down to open the new AstroTurf at the school? They just put the new old sand-based AstroTurf in. Um, Martin Allen said yes, took a team down there with George. And um, it was my local school. All four of, those bo four of the boys had been through it. So my dad went down, tapped Martin Allen on the shoulder and said, do you mind if my son has a trial? I don't know what would happen if somebody asked, asked me that now. <laughs> going to um, say, what would happen? I don't, I probably think you're absolutely bonkers, mate. If your son's not good enough to play, he's not going to play. And um, fair play, Martin Allen gave my dad a number, um, which I called when I got back for the summer. And uh, they Brentford took me on, offered me a trial, and then they offered me a deal. Uh, so that was a really um, strange way, I think, to be introduced into professional football. And that gave me a... I, it was another... A sort of big bit of welcome upheaval in my life because I decided to um, I pack up my uh, university degree there and then, which was fine. Um, came back over to England, lived with my parents and, and went to, to play for Brentford. Now, I knew at that point that having signed as a trialist at the age of 19, it wasn't going to be straightforward. I wasn't going to waltz into the first team there. So the loans for me, I, I absolutely loved uh, because I was playing at a level that I'd never played at before. So I'd played a couple of times for Chesham United, um, their first team but I don't think I'd made a league start at that level and then all of a sudden a couple of years down the line I was being loaned out to that level and finding it a lot easier than I found it a couple of years earlier I thought well, that's quite a good sign because I want to end up making a progression into league one at the time where Brentford were and so that that, that the loans I think I went to Slough, uh, Woking and then Yedding um, they were brilliant because I could play first team football and secondly it was that they're amazing learning experiences because you go to somewhere like uh, Yedding before it became Hazen Yedding. So you go to somewhere like Yedding and you've got some very, very good players, extremely serious about your fo their football, not earning a lot of, not earning a lot of money, um, working all day and then coming and playing football on Tuesday evenings or Saturdays. And so making sure that it meant a huge amount to them. Um, you know, they were, they were you know, proper men, um, you know, really interesting dressing rooms to be in. And I loved it. I was like a young, um, wet behind the ears, 19-year-old. And uh, I, it was brilliant. It was ma a massive part of my formation as a footballer, I thought, going out alone and having those experiences. And by the time uh, I'd finished those loans and came back into Brentford's first team, I thought they gave me a, a really good step up in, a, in order to be able to actually compete at that level. And I, I assume often we hear players talk about, you know, all the records they set or, where, or however they get on in their career. They say, oh, I'll think about it or I'll reflect on it at the end of my career once I've finished playing. You finished playing, but you've you've been so busy in management. Have you had a chance, from a more general perspective, to actually reflect on your playing career, which has been successful? I, I don't think I have. One of the, one of those reasons is exactly, is exactly that. So I took the I took the job here on a Friday, and I think my last training session for Oxford was on the Tuesday, and I trained with Oxford on the Tuesday as a player, and to go from that into head coaching was just such a quick turnaround and. It happened, it did all happen very, very quickly. And on the Thursday evening when we were finalising everything to do with the job, it suddenly dawned on me that like, I've, I've got to pick a team for the weekend. I've got to take a training session on the Friday, pick a team for the Saturday. And that was um, that was interesting. So no no time whatsoever. We had the, the extra game on the Saturday straight into the Tuesday game where we went away to Fleetwood. And no real time to reflect on it. But I, I, I never felt that I've needed a huge amount of time to reflect on my career. I was always... Um, in terms of milestones, I remember when I played my first pre-season game for Brentford that year when we played against uh, Dagenham away from home. And I thought, you know what, I, I've managed to play for Brentford in a friendly game. No one can ever take that away from me. And then I made my first league, I played my first league game and 
Um, I, th- I honestly thought at that point I played for Brentford for a couple of years and I'd go back to university because I, I thought it was such a competitive environment. And I, I guess all the way through, I felt very, very lucky, maybe because of my introduction into football and the way that I came, that I came into it. Every time I did sort of tick off another milestone, I just felt um, very grateful to have been there and to have that privilege and to be able to have played football as a, as a career. Uh, I know that sounds a bit cliched, but I always, I really, really felt that way. And I think a lot of it was to do with the fact that I, I did come through a very different route. So I I just love being there for pretty much every minute of my playing career. But that that's interesting, though, because a lot of sports people, again, would say, oh, I, you know, I always had self-belief. I always had the belief that I was going to be the best, that I was the best. It sounds like you, more than anything, just had kind of gra- gratitude and were happy to go with it. Yeah, well, it was, it was one of those things I'd... I, I reckon if you'd asked me at the age of uh, nine or 10, I would have said, you know, 100%, I'm going to get 100 caps for England. And by the time I was 14 or 15, I thought I just, I was probably a bit more realistic. I, like I said, I hadn't been picked up by anyone. And um, I thought there were a lot of better kids than me in the country. And so when I got there, in, in fairness, when I got there and when I signed my contract to Brentford, I did realise I had a huge opportunity to to make as, as much as I could of it. And, and I felt like, I didn't feel like I was out of place there. So I did feel like, okay, I might have taken a bit of a different route, but um, I do deserve to be here, and uh, and so that that helped in terms of confidence. I wasn't I wasn't short on confidence, but um, I also didn't think I was I didn't feel like to be I was entitled to anything. I didn't feel um, you know it was any god given right to go and make your debut or have a have a career. And ended up playing sort of five hundred and fifty games, and I felt you know I loved every minute of it. It's one of those things, um, honestly, that no one can no one can ever take away from you the those those sort of achievements, whether. Um, whether anybody else cares or not, it's a really nice thing to have. And and I did, yeah. I felt, I felt, um, I do feel very privileged to have played at the level I've played at, and to have made it to um, some of the places, some of the players I've played against. And um, yeah, I, I, I always would mix that with a healthy dose of self confidence because once I was in the system, I believed I could stay there. Um, but yeah, just sort of loved every minute of it. And what point in your playing career did you think, you know, what maybe a bit of coaching and management after this? <laughs> So I think very, very early on, I was about 20 or 21 when I decided I was going to um, go into coaching and I'd, I'm not entirely sure what triggered it. There were probably a couple of things without being able to nail it down. I, thought, I think um, number one, a couple of the senior pros at Brentford said there is a C licence course that uh, the PFA are putting, up, are putting on in, in North London and you're coming. Like, oh, okay, fine. Um, suits me. I quite like this sort of stuff. So they, they dragged me along to that every Wednesday. I quite enjoyed it. I thought, oh yeah, this is this is something. And there was that. And then the other part of it, which is um, slightly contradictory to what I just told you, but it was true, is that I, I never thought I had enough to make it at the top level. Um, and I was I was right in that. And um, had enough where physically, mentally? Uh, no, I thought I had enough. I thought I had enough mentally, uh, but I I didn't think maybe missing out on the um, the academy system. I, I I just wasn't a good enough player to make it at the top level. I think I I think I um, got every single inch out of my career that I possibly could have done. And I ended up playing in the in the championship, which uh, at a certain stages of my career, I, I didn't think I would I'd be able to do. So to be able to do that, uh, I, I felt that I was pretty much pushing. I, I actually felt quite comfortable there when when I did, but um, I didn't think I was you know, necessarily set up to be someone operating at the top end of the championship. So uh, that that for me was something for my career that I thought I, I have got a huge amount of control over what I can do. I thought talent wise it was going to take me to a certain level. Um, but I always felt in the in the sort of coaching world, in the coaching sphere, there isn't really any barrier to, to stop you from going all the way to the top. And that was my ambition from very, very early on. Uh, it also felt to me like one of my frustrations as a player was that you you, you had a certain amount of control and influence over yourself and, and so to some extent the teammates around you, but no real influence in, in tactics, team selection, what was going on at the football club. And it's the complete opposite now, obviously, in, in this role. Um, ultimately, everything... Um, falls down on on me, um, or comes 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 back to me, and that's a real nice privilege and responsibility to have. I I enjoy that. I enjoy the fact that apart from match days where I feel like I've lost complete control, uh, that what we produce day in day out is my responsibility, and I, I like that. You don't get that feeling as a player. There's only so much you can influence as a football player. Um, as a head coach, you you, know, you are ultimately in charge of the lot and uh, that's quite exciting I think and you can listen to the full 26 and a half minute version of that conversation exclusively on the Express FM app download now from the Apple app or Google Play store after the break we'll be rounding off the show with a preview of Pompey's Boxing Day meeting with Bristol Rovers at the Memorial Stadium stay tuned we'll be right back with that and more when the Football Hour returns Sports 
This is the Football Hour on Express FM. Whether you're out with your mates, catching the latest blockbuster, or just enjoying late night bus rides, from 7pm every day, you can take advantage of a night Rider ticket, taking you from A to B and everywhere in between. Simply purchase your night Rider ticket on the bus or using the Stagecoach app to get unlimited travel anywhere on the whole of the Stagecoach South for just £2.50. The world is your oyster. Visit stagecoachbus.com for timetable and ticket information. This is the Football Hour on Express FM. Welcome back for the final time tonight to this Christmas Day special edition of the Football Hour here on 93.7 Express FM. Brought to you this season by Stagecoach Across the South. Head over to stagecoachbus.com for more information. Well, a very Merry Christmas to you all. Thank you for choosing us here on the Football Hour as your Christmas evening listening. I hope you're all well, whether you're tuning in with family or friends or even alone tonight. I hope your day has been filled with merriment and joy. Or if not, that's fine too. We can just get on with it and head straight back into the football. More on the gas now. We've been gathering the key facts and figures that mould together the Blues' Boxing Day opponents. Saturday's draw at home to Fleetwood means the Blues head into Christmas top of the table with 49 points. A trip to the West Country is now coming up for Pompey, who have little time to rest. Pompey Live, this week's opposition. Colby Bishop and Josh Earl on the score sheet as the spoils were shared at Fratton Park last time out. Next up, it's Boxing Day football for the Blues, and it's Bristol Rovers who are the hosts for this year's festive fixture. Manager. Recent successor to Joey Barton, Matt Taylor is now at the helm of Bristol Rovers. The 41-year-old former Exeter City and Rotherham United boss took charge of the gas and signed a three-and-a-half-year contract on December the 1st. This Matt Taylor is not to be confused with the one currently in the dugout at Shrewsbury. This Matt Taylor played in defence for the likes of Charlton Athletic, Colchester United and Cheltenham Town, but never Pompey during his 16-year playing career. One to watch. Welsh forward Aaron Collins, who is squad number 10 for Bristol Rovers, is our player to keep tabs on this Boxing Day. Collins, who is 26, has been at the gas since June 2021, joining as a free agent following the expiration of his contract with Forest Green Rovers. He was part of a Bristol Rovers side to have won promotion back to League One in 2022 and the following season was named as the division's player of the year, as well as, of course, being awarded the club's own player of the season accolade too. This season, the former Newport County and Morecambe man has appeared in all 21 of his side's league fixtures, scoring three goals and providing seven assists. Top scorer. With four league goals and two FA Cup strikes to his name at this stage of the season, former Blue striker John Marquis is currently Rovers' leading scorer. Marquis, who wears the number nine shirt, is on a goal-scoring run of three consecutive games, netting against Crew Alexandra in the FA Cup before matches away at Bolton Wanderers and Blackpool in the league. He is now 31 years of age and signed for the gas from Lincoln City in July of last year. Current form. Bristol Rovers have sat 12th in League One after a satisfying to look at record of wins, draws and defeats. After 21 matches, the gas have picked up seven wins, seven draws and seven defeats, scoring the same amount as they have conceded, 28. That has left Matt Taylor's side with 28 points on the board. They have secured just one win in their last five league matches and that came away at Bolton on the 16th of December, where they were victorious by two goals to one. Last time out on Saturday, the Gas were beaten 3-1 away at Blackpool. Will it be an afternoon of success or a Boxing Day blemish for the Blues? All of the unmissable action on Pompey Live. A closer look there at Bristol Rovers, who Pompey take on tomorrow on Boxing Day for a free clock kickoff at the Memorial Stadium. Well, for now, it's still Christmas Day, and I hope you're having a wonderful time out there, Blues fans. Now, earlier on the show, I asked you what Portsmouth FC-related presents you'd like to be unwrapping this year, as well as any you already have opened, of course. We've already had a few mentioned earlier on, but a few more have come in since. Six points against Bristol Rovers and Exeter, and no more injuries, please, says Alan Ray on Twitter. Spencer Green wants a Bovril subscription in the North Lower. And Rachel has got in touch on the emails to say that she's brought her puppy, Milo, a new Pompey collar. <laughs> well, his match is lovely. Now, Christmas for most of us tends to be the most wonderful time of the year with plenty of food, drink, presents and laughter. And for some lucky sods, plenty of rest from work too. But that's not quite the luxury footballers are accustomed to during the festive season, as Joan Burrell explains, opening up about how much he enjoys the Christmas and New Year period. Probably not as much as your average person. I think that's kind of gets... Uh gets conditioned out of you really with you know obviously the, the festive period is the busiest time in football um 
and yeah, as a footballer, you obviously t- you train for five hours in the day and you play on a Saturday, but you know it's what you do away from that 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 can really make the difference. And you do have to avoid temptation around Christmas when people are dishing out sweets and chocolate. It's important you uh, try and stay as professional as possible because ultimately it'd be worth it. And I think if we win on Boxing Day, it'd be much more, um, you know, it taste a lot better than that Christmas dinner would have on uh, on Christmas Day. Uh, talking of chocolate, the celebrations, bounty, yes or no? <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind a bounty, to be fair. I think it's a little bit hard done by. I think it's turned into a bit of a, a bit of a meme, hasn't it? But um, I don't mind bounty. It wouldn't be the first one I'd pick out the tub, to be honest, but... There's a few bounties left and I'm having a cup of tea, then I, I wouldn't say no. OK, time to have a bit of fun. Should we have a bit of a festive quiz? Yeah, let's have, let's have a festive quiz. Let's bring in uh, Joe Wood and Pepe Lacey, regular guests here on the Footblower. Pepe, first of all, ready for a little bit of a bit of a pompy quiz? Yeah, yeah, I'm d- going to test the trivia. It should be, <laughs> should be good fun. Feeling, feeling confident? Um, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm fairly confident. I'm hopefully... My competitive side will come in here and I, I want to win. <laughs> uh, we've also got Joe Wood alongside yourself tonight, Pepe. Joe, thank you very much for calling in. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Jake. <laughs> Lovely to virtually be here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, right, you ready for ready for a competition then, Joe? You've got Pepe Lacey, formerly of the Portsmouth News, so you should imagine he'd have probably a bit of archive in his brain. No pressure. No pressure. Well, well, I am slightly concerned because last time I did one of these quizzes with you was against Henry Deacon and I lost yes. and I don't like that. <laughs> so, um, you know, yeah, I'll have to, to try and retrieve yeah. some honour. Right, let's yeah. get straight into it then. Different questions this time, Joe. Don't worry, I'm going to test your knowledge a little bit more. OK, so the first question, when we're ready. Which company was the main shirt sponsor during the Blues 2002-2003 promotion season to the Premiership. I'm going to start off with Pepe. Uh, it's called TY, isn't it? TY is Pepe's answer. Joe, please. Yeah, TY. TY Europe. Correct. You are both right. It is TY. TY Europe. That was the shirt sponsor for Pompey during that 2002-2003 promotion season. Right, one all then, heading into question number two. This is multiple choice, and I'm going to throw it first to Joe. Robert Prozinecki arrived at Pompey from which European side in 2001? Was it A, Barcelona, B, Standard Liège, or C, Sevilla? Oh, God, I believe it was C, I think. You're going for C, Sevilla. Pepe Lacey? Robert Prozinecki arrived at Pompey. This is before my time, by the way. I'm just going to put it out there now. (laughs) I wasn't even alive during this, so... You weren't alive in 2001! Hang on, hang on, hang on. You weren't alive in 2001? No, I was born (gasps) November 2002, Jake, so... I have a guess. Barcelona, Stanley Age or Sevilla? Joe's gone for Sevilla. Sevilla. I think I might follow that with Sevilla as well. You're following up with Sevilla. Final answer? Yeah, Sevilla. You're both wrong. It was B, Standard Liège. Prozinecki did play for Barcelona and Sevilla during his, uh, his playing career, but it was um, Standard Liège who he signed from for Pompey back in 2001. Right on to question three, one apiece. In April 2010, former Portsmouth midfielder Chris Kamara produced one of his most iconic moments on telly when he missed a sending off in the match against Blackburn Rovers at Fratton Park. I don't know, Jeff, has it? I must have missed that. Red card. But which Blues player was it to receive that red card? Pepe Lacey. I believe it was Anthony Van den Boer. Okay, Pepe, thank you. Joe, do you have a counter or do you go with the same answer? No, it was Anthony Van den Boer. Okay. Yep, you're both right. Anthony Van den Boer was the player sent off during that iconic piece of uh, broadcasting history from uh, Chris Kamara uh, on Sky Sports News back in 2010. Right, question number four. Two apiece after three questions. Pepe Lacey, you're up first. Who's Pompey's top goal scorer in the Premier League? Oh my gosh. Um, so, I want to say because he was Pompey's t- highest scorer in the 21st century until Ronan Curtis overtook him. I want to say Yakubu. Yakubu. Okay, Pepe, thank you. Joe, what do you reckon? I'm going to be really boring, but I, g- I genuinely think he's right. I think it is Yakubu. Yeah, you're both right. Yakubu. Oh, It was uh, Yakubu. Right, question number five. Okay. 
Which player currently wears the squad number 23 shirt at Fratton Park? Joe Wood. Oh no. Ah, there we go. I, the yeah, I've, I've had a complete mind blank there. <laughs> so hang on a second. We, the previous questions, you've, got, you've both got three out of four so far. You've got all the historic questions right. Much. Yeah, yeah, the one that the one that's literally about now. About I have no clue. Um, <laughs> have a guess. It, it's obviously my age. Um, no, uh, oh god, no, 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 god no, <laughs> not even close to that. Um, Come on, let's get a timer on this, Jake. Come on, Abu. I know, yeah, that's um, I know it's not, but I'm gonna say it. it's Abu Kamara. It okay. isn't, but there we go. It's an answer. <laughs> All right, Joe, thank you very much. You don't sound confident. Uh, Pepe, what do you reckon? Um, I'm, I'm, just gonna I'm get... fairly confident. Okay, oh, he okay. played on Tuesday night. All right. He's not really played in the squad much this season, and that's left-back Denver Hume. It is. It is Denver oh, Hume. Come on. It is Denver Hume, squad number 23. Right, this is the final question, and then after that, there will be sudden death, if required. So, Joe, if you can pull this back to 4-4 after six questions, we will get sudden death. Right. I'm going to go with Pepe first. Guy Whittingham holds the record for the most league goals scored in a single season for Pompey. But how many goals did he score? Closest to the pin. Oh my God. Um, 43 is... 43 is ringing a bell in my head, so I'm going to go 43. Somewhere in the 40s, I think. Okay, Pepe says 43. Joe, what do you reckon? I've got to go brave here. I actually think it's 41. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, it's 42. Oh! <laughs> 42 league goals that season. 47 in all competitions, but 42 league goals that season. Wow. For Guy Whittingham. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, that's it. That's the end of the quiz. Uh, Pepe Lacey wins by four mate. points to three after six questions i did have a no well done he's only 32 <laughs> <laughs> he's only 21 okay brilliant stuff that is the quiz over for this year pepe lacy joe wood thank you both ever so much it finished pepe four joe three pepe congratulations thank you jake i i feel on top of the world i don't, I don't know how to feel it's, what a christmas treat what a christmas, what a christmas treat, treat yeah man. merry christmas you've won the football hour christmas quiz here oh, on express fm your prize yes. is um <clears throat> Joe Wood, thank you very much. It's oh, great. Okay, that's... <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it's, a, it's a tough one, that, Jake. Uh, but we go mm, again. We go again. Yeah, two defeats and <laughs> two when it comes to quizzes here on Express. Third time lucky next time, though, mate. Uh, Joe, the gas tomorrow, Exeter then on Friday in what will be a second away match in the space of just a few days. A relentless schedule over the festive period, but let's be honest, one we're, we're quite used to by now. This happens every season. Yeah, it does seem to, around Christmas, everything just gets very congested and and bunged up. Um, it's not a bad thing, though. I, I Personally, I quite like the this period where you're drinking, you're football, 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 football. <laughs> I think it's quite nice. It's just, especially when you're not working and you, 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 you love a time off, you just can consume so much football. Yeah, absolutely. And Bristol Rovers tomorrow themselves, Joe, with a relatively new gaffer, certainly since the last time we played them, Joe Barton, uh, no longer in charge. He's doing other things. Um, Matt Taylor, <laughs> Matt Taylor, the former extra boss, I'm going to leave it at that, um, is now at the helm of, of Bristol Rovers. They've had a, a bit of a mixed sort of first half of the season. They're not really down there, but not really up there either. They're one of those teams that can get results off of, of big sides, but then go and lose to a team that are sort of struggling in the bottom four. What kind of Matt do you anticipate well i mean they're exactly what you kind of expect from a mid-table side aren't they 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 literally win some lose some draw some and that will tend to find you in the middle of the pack i think the the change of manager was well it's made them infinitely more likable wasn't it let's be perfectly honest <laughs> um i still don't expect them to beat us but you know it, it's hard to it's hard to predict because you you don't know how players are going to respond over this period to the turnover and that that intensity. I mean, it's this it can't be a great time as a footballer this time because you are constantly on the go yeah. or doing something, going somewhere. Mm. I mean, you think we 
we're like that as fans, you know. I haven't got to fit in training before I have a Christmas dinner, you know. So do you not? Oh, I, I probably should afterwards, <laughs> but but you know, you you've got to think that they're still humans. Yeah. You know, they still want to have their time and. And, and and fitting that all in is going to be a bit of a juggling act. So I think it will really come down to who responds best and who's in the best condition. Um, I'd like to say that that's going to be Pompey because everything I've seen so far this season has indicated that they're a very fit squad. Mm-hmm. As long as we're still pressing up at the 60, 65th minute, we should be too much for them. And some big names within their squad as well. You look through the team midfielders such as Jordan Rossiter, uh, Harvey Vale as well, Anthony Evans, Luke McCormick. Uh, four players there to keep an eye on. Not only them, but forwards as well. Scott Sinclair, John Marquis, Aaron Collins as well. And of course, Giovanni Brown is now Bristol Rovers player. Joe, Pompey's defence is going to have their, their hands full tomorrow. And there will be a new away stand um, at the Memorial Stadium as opposed to what used to be just a bit of a tent behind the goal to the left-hand <laughs> side as you view it on the TV um, and then just a sort of side bit um, just at that main stand and, and open terrace. It's now a bit of a bigger tent um, behind the doesn't goal. It, it's nothing spectacular. It's, I think doesn't it's it feel bit... quite rich that we're in a position now where we can throw stones at other teams' <laughs> away ends? I'm not throwing um, stones at given, all. Given, given the state of ours for the longest time, um, even during the Premier League era. So <laughs> anytime you see progress like that being made by a club, it's it, it's good because it means that the club is in a really good place. Yeah. Um, with far too many clubs, in this league even, um, you haven't got to you haven't got to look too far away from this league. You know, several of them down at the bottom end of the table, through financial mismanagement, through appalling conditions, uh, are up against it. Um, so it is nice to see that they a club is being invested in and and, and developed. Um, as for the players to watch out for, let's be perfectly honest. We all know what's happening. It's John Marquis. <laughs> He's He's going to find a way to do the thing that he struggled to do for Pompey, which will be, well, just put the ball in the net. <laughs> he he did score, I want to say, uh, a couple of weeks ago. But I remember looking at the time and going, oh, wow, that's done Pompey a favour. That's probably the first time in a long time a John Marquis goal has done Portsmouth a <laughs> He's always one of those players that before Bristol Rovers used to always score against Pompey, yeah. didn't he? John Marquis for the likes of, uh, well, particularly Doncaster Rovers when he was there. Uh, just finally, Joe, what do you reckon um, regards to the score tomorrow? Can Pompey give us a festive treat on Boxing Day in the form of three points? I think they can. Oh, so it's really difficult. When you, you, you ask me this every time, and every time I think I know the answer, and then <laughs> you ask the question, and I don't. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm going to go with 2-1 and I'm going to go with 2-1 and I think Marquis will score first so I'm going, I'm going a little bit further with it Joe, thank you very much for your contributions tonight. It's been a pleasure, as always, to have you here on the Footblower. A bit of news to bring you elsewhere, of course. You may have seen it a couple of days ago. Cassini Yengi has been called up to the Socceroos team to compete in the Asia Cup over in Qatar in January. Graham Arnold has selected his squad for the competition. Cassini Yengi has been called up to the tournament. So, big congratulations to the Pompey striker there. Alex Robertson has not been called up, so will be available for John Massinho and his side in January. Cassini Yengi will be away on international duty to compete in that Asia Cup over in Qatar. The tournament starts for Australia on the 13th of January when they take on India. Five days later, they take on Syria in their second group stage game. That's on the 18th of January and their third and final group stage fixture against Uzbekistan on the 23rd of January. The opening game of the tournament is between Qatar and Lebanon on the 12th of January and the final should Australia reach that far, and they've got quite a decent squad as well, to be quite fair to them, is on the 10th of February. So potentially, Cassini Yengi will be out for up to, or potentially even a little bit more than a month um, in between sort of first week of January, first to second week of February, depending on, of course, how far Australia get in the Asia Cup. We wish them, of course, all of the very best. So Pompey travelled to the Memorial Stadium tomorrow afternoon for Boxing Day football against Bristol Rovers. We've heard a preview of the game here on the Football Hour tonight with Joe Wood just a few moments ago. And it 
quick mention now to Tyler Carley. There will be a tribute for Tyler, who sadly passed away earlier this month following a road traffic accident. Tyler was aged just 20 years old. He was a season ticket holder in the Thatcher's End at the Memorial Stadium, consistently travelled to away fixtures as well, following the gas up and down the country with his father, Mark. Bristol Rovers, Pompey, of course, Express FM, the wider football community. Very, very saddened to hear of the passing of Tyler Carley, Bristol Rovers fan, aged at the age of just 20 earlier this month. So Bristol Rovers supporters invite the Pompey fans travelling to the Memorial Stadium for tomorrow's fixture for a minute's applause on the 20th minute. So Blues fans, if you are listening, if you're travelling to Bristol Rovers tomorrow afternoon for the game, please could you help out with a 20th minute applause um, in tribute for young Bristol Rovers fan Tyler Carley, who sadly lost his life earlier this month. So match day number 23 of the Skybet League One season for Pompey is just around the corner. The halfway mark of this League One campaign for the Blues is just under 24 hours away. Can Pompey get over that 50-point mark with a win away at Bristol Rovers? A draw will do it too, but of course three points desired for many, probably all Pompey fans after Saturday's disappointment at Fratton Park. Join Robbie James and Matt Drabble live from the Memorial Stadium from 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. All the unmissable action. This is Pompey Live. Portsmouth had to settle for a point against Fleetwood Town at Fratton Park on Saturday. It was been a fairly frustrating encounter and not the pre-Christmas treat everyone was hoping for. 1-1. Boxing Day football awaits the Blues next. A trip to Bristol Rovers to look forward to. Join us for all of the unmissable action. Boxing Day from 2. Pompey Live on Express FM with Aqua Cars. Pompey Live back from 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon with all of the action from the Memorial Stadium. Well, that's just about it from us tonight. Thank you all once again for tuning in on this, not just a regular Monday, but Christmas Day edition of the Football Hour here on Express FM. I've been really proud to present it to you and I hope you have enjoyed everything we've had to offer to you throughout the show tonight. It's been really really fun to make and to provide it to you right coming up here on express fm for the rest of your christmas day lily park and john brown are up next right after the news at seven o'clock with festive fun and games right the way through until 10 o'clock then from 10 through to the early hours of tomorrow morning into boxing day nothing but great hits to take you through to Boxing Day morning. Ian McGuinness wakes you up on Boxing Day from 8 o'clock in the morning, keeping you company with great songs, laughs and all of the travel, sport, news, weather updates. He's got a lot 8 through to 11 o'clock, which is when Lily Park takes over with great songs, with Portsmouth people, entertaining the chat and, of course, maybe a tiny quiz as well if you're lucky to. Pompey Live back from 2 o'clock through till 6, which is when John Brown and Paul Marsh are at the pictures with a special Boxing Day entertaining chat with the best soundtrack songs. I'll be back Thursday from 6 o'clock with a preview of Friday night's trip to Exeter City. But until then, Blues fans, thank you very much for listening. Enjoy the rest of your Christmas Day and your festivities. John and Lily are up next.